Welcome to everyone joining us via live stream this morning, and we're very grateful to have you with us. Uh, also, very grateful for our New Hope Band this morning. It's, uh, it's always a blessing that the, the worship leader is out, so then we move to the backup. The backup is out, and then we even have a backup to a backup. So, praise the Lord for that. Just so glad that we have so many people willing to give and and fill in all the gaps. Uh, summertime is vacation season, and it seems like there's always someone missing here or there, but bless God, we make it through. Uh, real quickly, I want to remind you, as Wayne did, we'll, we will be convening this evening next door in the Fellowship Hall at 6 p.m. to finish chapter 16 of Revelation. Uh, Pastor Joe and his crew didn't make it very far last week, if you were with us. <laughs> Just a few verses, so we will try to finish Revelation chapter 16 uh, this evening. And yeah, it, it was a wonderful time, very, very blessed time. Our, our Sunday nights have been fantastic, we've just been so enjoyable. Um, jump in there if you haven't been a part of it, or if you've missed a few, jump back in there with us. Just awesome to go through the scriptures, kind of one at a time. Uh, and really, I, I tease about not making it very far last week, but really there's no point in rushing through any of it. So we take our time, and we really kind of put the Bible underneath of a microscope, and uh, you gain a greater understanding of the Word of God. And it's just been a great time. So we'll, we'll be back at that this evening. Um, got some really, uh, got a, at least one really good video we're going to share this evening. It's just very informative, very awesome. So hopefully you can be a part of that. Um, Sometimes, uh, while in preparation for uh, a, a sermon, you, you kind of come across something that leads to another idea uh, for another sermon. And, and that's kind of where this comes from this morning. Um, I was preparing for something else a while back and kind of came across this and it jumped out at me so much. I just made little notes and I thought, well, I'll get, I'll get to that at some point. Uh, you, you know, you kind of feel the spirit kind of nudge you a little bit and say, hey, jot this down because I want you to remember this and, and think about it later. And that, that's kind of where some of this comes from this morning. Um, so we'll, we'll jump right into it. Um, I, would, I would argue that the greatest oration ever given is found in the Bible. The oration meaning, you know, a speech or a, a presentation or, or whatever you want to call it. The greatest one ever was found in the Bible. To, to, to me, the, the greatest speech or sermon ever delivered, barring none, is Christ's Sermon on the Mount. A barring none is Christ's Sermon on the Mount. It's unbelievably fantastic. Christ's Sermon on the Mount is a complete guide on how to live. His Sermon on the Mount is, it, it is a guide on how to conduct yourself while living on this planet. It, it, it captures so much. It, it's just fantastic. There, there are no, listen to me, there are really no better directions to life than what is given in Christ's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it, it is recorded best in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7. And if I can humbly suggest to everyone in here, everyone hearing me this morning, everyone watching on live stream, I feel like you should be at least generally familiar with Christ's Sermon on the Mount, okay? No, you don't have to have all of it memorized or, or be a biblical scholar on it, but you should be generally familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. If you follow 
the words that he speaks, follow the words that he preaches, you take them in and you apply them, at the end of your life, you'll end up in heaven. That's what happens if you watch and you believe and you subscribe into Christ's Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, it looks like we're going to hear a sermon on Christ's Sermon on the Mount this morning. Not a chance, brothers and sisters. This bumbling fool has absolutely nothing to add to Christ's masterpiece, okay? But what we can do is we can take a small little piece. Actually, we're just going to look at a couple sentences of something that Jesus says. We can take that and we can look at it and we can ask ourselves, what is he trying to say to me? What is he trying to say to the hearers? What is he trying to say to the readers of this sermon this morning? That's what we can take from the Sermon on the Mount this morning. Now, in a quick nutshell, just to catch you up to speed, the Sermon on the Mount kind of starts with the Beatitudes. If you've been around Christianity very much at all, you've heard someone use the phrase Beatitude, okay? It's where all the blessed are thou, went, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All the, all the blessed are this and that. It starts with the Beatitudes. Then it kind of goes into the, the salt. And he talks about salt. He talks about being the, the light of the world. Then he, then he goes into a part where he elevates the law. You know, we have the Ten Commandments, and then Christ in His Sermon on the Mount, He, he elevates even those Ten Commandments and makes them even more difficult to keep. And then, if you keep following along in His Sermon, He, he teaches us how to pray. It's where we find the Lord's Prayer. And then even after that, it goes into some general admonishments to all of us. You know, things on forgiveness, things on uh, uh, humility, things on abstaining from worldliness. And then you end up in chapter 7 of Matthew. Okay? And, and here's just these few little sentences that Jesus preaches as He's sitting on this mountain with these people gathered around Him. And He says these words, which we want to examine them this morning. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says this. Now, I know you've heard these things many a times, but we want to look at them closely this morning. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Then he says, But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, when I read these, and these are the words of Christ, when I read them, to me, they are very scary. Because if you think of the implications of this statement, it, it honestly, when I read them, and I think about them, and I take them in, I receive them, it causes a shiver to run down my spine at the, what he's actually saying to us this morning. And, and really... With this, when Christ tells us about the wide gate, the, the broad way, and many are on it, and then he tells us about the straight gate, the narrow way, and few are on it, what he's doing is he's taking people of all walks of life, all skin tone colors. And you know that we're all a skin color of brown, right? 
We're either really, really light brown or really, really dark brown. We are all of one blood, the Bible teaches. There's only one race. The other day, I had to take my son to the doctor's visit, and I had to fill out this big form. And I was filling out a form, and it came to a little square that said race. I wrote human on it and turned it in. <laughs> probably, probably get rejected by my insurance or something now or something. But what Christ is doing is he's taking everyone, all walks of life, all of humanity, everyone, everywhere that's ever existed, he's taking all of them and he's saying they are traveling on one of two pathways. All people of the world are traveling one of two pathways. There are only two. There are no other options. No other options. There's no other shortcuts. There's no bypasses. There's no secret routes. There, everyone that is alive, everyone that has ever existed in the past has traveled one of these two paths. Everyone that's alive currently is on one of these paths. There is the Broadway that is wide. Isn't it funny that Broadway is named Broadway, the Broadway? <laughs> there is the Broadway that is very wide, he says. And then he says, there is the narrow way that is straight. Those are the two paths you can travel. There are no other routes. That's it. The broad way that's wide and the narrow way that is very straight. Christ is saying here that everyone travels one of these two paths. Listen to me this morning. You are on one of those two pathways this morning. You are. Your loved ones are on one of those paths your loved ones are traveling, they're walking currently, right now, on one of those two paths. Your co-workers, your colleagues are walking on one of those two paths. They are either on the broad, wide path, or they're on the straight and narrow path. There's no other way. Everyone that you know, your neighbors are walking on one of those paths right now. Your spouse is on one of those paths right now. Your son is on one of those paths. Your son is choosing to decide one of those paths. Your daughter, same thing, is traveling currently right now on one of those paths. No one, listen to me, no one is sitting on the sidelines. There is no one just sitting there thinking, eh, which one should I do? No, you are already on one of those paths. Both of these paths, both of these ways, lead to very different outcomes. Vastly different destinations. Vastly different. Matter of fact, you could say the polar opposite destination. According to which path that you're traveling. The Bible says that one of those ways leads to destruction and the other way leads to life. The broad way, the wide way, it leads to ruin. The Bible says it leads to destruction. If you look that word up in the Greek, it's Ruin, it's perdition. In other words, hell. That's where it leads to. If one were to travel, listen now, and remember, as I preach this, remember, everyone is on one of these two paths. If one were to travel the broad, wide way, the destination for that individual is perdition, waste, and damnation. If you are on the wide, broad way, that is the destination. That's the end of the road. When you finally get to the destination, 
When you travel the broad, wide way, that's the goal for that path. That's where it leads to. Perdition, waste, damnation, hell. That is the result of choosing that way. That's where it leads to. If you say, I'm going to take this way, that is where it leads. This morning, if you're traveling the wide path, the broad way, it leads to perdition. On the other hand, if an individual were to travel the straight and the narrow way, the final destination for that person is life. Meaning that which is genuine and real and belongs to God. It leads to eternity in heaven with God. That's where it leads to. Both of these paths lead to a destination. They're just vastly different destinations. Heaven, listen to me, heaven is on the other side. Heaven is on the other side of the straight gate. Where Jesus admonishes us and says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. If you walk through that straight gate, you're in glory. That's, that's the final destination for the straight and narrow path. You inherit life. Life everlasting is a result of choosing the straight and narrow way. And make no mistake, it is a choice. It is a choice. And heaven is on the other side of that straight gate. So, you know, when I, when I look at these, just these few sentences that, that Christ speaks about these two different paths that everyone chooses to walk and to travel in their lives, I think to myself, what, what rational person would willfully choose the, the broad and wide way where Christ tells us plainly that it leads to hell, to damnation, eternal damnation? Who, who would choose that? Who would say, eh, hmm, the way that leads to heaven or the way that leads to hell? I'll take hell. Who, who would, who, who, what rational person that has all their faculties, that can think straight, would choose that. You know, it, to me, if, if I have a choose, if, if you ask me, where do you want to spend eternity? Where do you want your soul to reside? I'm going to say in heaven. I want life everlasting. To me, it seems like a no-brainer. However, <clears throat> we see here that Christ says there's a whole bunch of people on the wide, broad path. That's what makes... You would think it's an easy decision, but Christ says there's many, many, many people that are on the pathway that leads to destruction. There's a whole bunch of them. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Jesus is saying... There's a whole lot of people on that route. An awful whole lot of people. The opposite of that is true for the way of life. The, the way that seems like a no-brainer. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with the Lord. When I, I don't want eternal torment and flames and fire. Uh-uh, I want to, the, the, it seems like a no-brainer. But here we find Jesus saying this. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be which find it. It's saying that the pathway that leads to heaven, the pathway that's straight and narrow, which you can choose to walk or walk on the wide, the, the pathway to it only has a few people on it. Only a few. Not very many people on it. Now why? I ask myself, why? Why is that? Why is there so many on the Broadway? 
it leads, clearly it does not have a good destination that none, no rational person should want. Why is there so many people on that path, but yet there's very few on the path that leads to heaven? Why, why would people consciously choose destruction? Why? The difference, brothers and sisters, is in the pathway itself. It's in the pathway itself. You see, one of them is broad and wide. So that any, nearly any direction you travel on the broad and wide path is acceptable. You, you can go in any direction and it is okay on the broad and wide path. Any type of behavior on the broad and wide path is acceptable. Any type of belief in the broad and wide way is acceptable. On the broad and wide way, everything is tolerated. Everything. Oh yes, we believe everything. It's all good. If you think it's true, it's true. On the broad and wide way, listen to me now, you can turn left if you want to. Whenever you want. Don't worry about falling off the path because it's broad and wide. You're not going to fall off the edge of it. Don't worry about that. You can turn right if you want to. You can even travel backwards if you want to on the broad and wide path. You don't need to see where you're going. If it's broad and it's wide, there's no hazards. You can walk backwards if you want to. You won't lose your way because it's so broad and it's so wide. You can skip if you want to. Go ahead and skip your way down the broad and wide path. It's easy going on the broad way. It's easy travel. Skip your way down there. You can walk circles if you want to. You won't get lost because there's no real direction on the broad way. It's broad and it's wide. And if you get dizzy from spinning in circles, what's it matter if you walk left or right or backwards or trip and stumble? Get back up. You're still on the wide path. You can frolic if you want to. You can dance if you want to. There's no need to be careful. You can twirl around and do your thing if you want to. There's, there's, there's no need to be careful. There's no need to walk with wisdom. Because anything on the broad and wide way, anything is acceptable. A any type of, of travel is acceptable. You can sprint for your, a little while. You can take yourself a little break there for a little while. Get back up, walk, what, whatever. It's, it's all acceptable. You won't fall off because it's wide and it's broad. You know, on the, the wide and broad path, you don't even really need to look where you're going. You don't. It's so wide and it's so broad, you don't have to look where you're going. You don't have to worry about bumping into someone else and getting an injury because it's, so, it's wide enough to accommodate all the people. There's no caution needed on the wide path. There's no self-restraint needed on the wide path. If there's something you want, go out and get it. The wide way, it's so broad and it's so wide that you will be just fine with any type of behavior. Just chase your dreams. Chase your dreams. If you got to shove a couple people out of the way to get to your dreams, shove them out of the way. It's okay. They, they won't be harmed. They, you're not going to knock them off the wide path. They'll be just fine. Nudge them out of your way and achieve your dreams. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Brothers and sisters, listen to me now. There are no strict rules. There are no strict guidelines that you have to adhere to on the broad way. There's no commandments 
There's no you need to obey this. There's none of that on the broad path. You do what's right in your own eyes on the broad way. Do what you think is right. If you think it's right, if it's right to you, do it. It's okay. It's acceptable on the broad way. If you feel that it's right, if you feel that it's truthful, then it is right and truthful to you. I mean, there's on the broad and on the wide way, there's nothing greater than you. You are your own God. You make up your own choices. You dictate everything for your life. There is nothing transcendent that you have to fall in line with. You are your own God. And if you think it's true, it's true to you. Listen to this. On the broad and wide path, you shouldn't make absolute statements. You shouldn't. Don't say that there is one God. Don't say that there is one God and Jehovah is His name. Don't make an absolute statement. A statement like that, if if you're traveling the wide and the broad path, those statements are not acceptable because if you say there is only one God, you could offend someone else who doesn't believe that. You could offend someone else who believes in another religion, a pantheistic religion where there's all kinds of gods. So you shouldn't make absolute statements on the broad path. No, no, no. Don't, don't say things like this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Statements like that are, are not acceptable on the broad path. They're not. You, you may offend someone else. You may offend someone who doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Don't say that certain behavior is sinful either. Those are offensive things to say. If, if you see a guy that's... that's uh, 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 an adulterer or whatever he's doing, don't, don't confront him. Don't say, hey, man, you're married. You shouldn't be doing that stuff. Don't say that. You do what you write in your own eyes on the broad path. And you make no absolute statements. Don't say things like, there is a hell. Don't, don't say things like that. There, there's people that don't believe that. Don't offend them. Don't talk about judgment. No, 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 no. We don't, we, that is not accepted on the broad path, on the wide path. On the broad way, the, the, the wide path, the, the gate that's wide and accommodating, one must broaden their way of thinking. You can't be so narrow-minded as to say that the Bible contains the only way to life. No, that's not right. There's no room for that. Listen, one could ironically say that there is no tolerance for things like this on the tolerant way. (laughs) You understand tolerance is a one-way street. It's a one-way street. These people that say, no, you need to tolerate everything. Oh, you need to tolerate and love everything. Until you talk about Christianity or something, then no, no tolerance for that. It's complete hypocrisy and bunk. You could ironically say there is no tolerance for any of those absolute moral statements that the Bible makes on the tolerant path. On the broad way, the wide way, one must modernize their theological beliefs. You can't stay so old school. I mean, this book is centuries and centuries old. You must modernize your beliefs to travel the wide path. You must be more accepting. You must be more tolerant. 
You must change with the times. If something in society changes or trends or, or we change our stance on something, then you must change with it. On the broad path. Church, do you understand that the Bible actually has a, a whole lot to say about the broad and wide way? whole lot to say about it. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 23 has a couple of things to say. And listen to this. It says this, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice. Now let's stop right there just for a second, because we've already read two buzzwords. For, for traveling the, the broad and wide way. And the two buzzwords are, but this thing, commanded. You can't command someone on the broad and wide. You do what's right in your own eyes. It also, obey my voice. Those are buzzwords on the broad and wide path. You can't say command. You can't say obey. But this thing commanded I them, saying, obey my voice. And I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. Verse 24 says this, But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and the imaginations of their evil heart, and went backwards and not forwards. Do you see Jeremiah the prophet here is confirming the two ways that Jesus said? He is confirming them. And in Christ's Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, that's right, there is only two ways. We've always taught you all through the, New Te or the Old Testament, there is only two ways. Jeremiah confirms there's only two ways that you can travel. You can obey the voice of the Lord, or the straight and narrow path, and it will be well unto you. Or you can live how you think. Whatever you can imagine is good and acceptable. Live that way. The broad way, and the Bible says you'll end up going backwards. You'll end up traveling backwards. In other words, you will regress. Do you know what regression is? It's the opposite of progress. Progression, it's the opposite of that. It says instead of going forward, you will go backwards. You'll go the wrong way. Does, does anyone else notice a little tiny bit of regression in our nation? An example, you might wonder, that I can give this morning is men dominating women's sports. Is this progress, we must ask ourselves? Or is it ludicrous? Or is it absurd? I find it absurd. Call me archaic or old school or bigot or whatever in the world you want to say. I don't call this progress. Jeremiah says, walk in your counsels, do what you think's right, whatever you can imagine, and you'll go backwards. Another quick example of regression or the opposite of progress. Men in women's bathrooms. It, is this progress? <laughs> call it what in the world you want. I'm going to have to say, the Bible's saying that ain't progress. That's regression. It's where you fall into chaos. That's where all this junk leads to, chaos. Remember that that is the final destination. 
Hell is chaos. Hell is perdition. That's where it all leads to. I see this sadly to me when I look at the nation we live in. To me, it's almost an entire nation traveling as fast as they can on the broad, the wide way. It's almost the entire nation. Even so many churches doing goofy things and and changing their beliefs now to modernize. What they're doing is they're pulling up stakes off the straight and narrow and saying, we're going to jump over to the broad way. That's more accommodating. That's more accepting. We've, We've said in our nation, we don't need God to help us govern. We can do it. We, we don't need God at all. We, we have removed Him. We can achieve greater heights without Him. He's holding us back. He makes all kind of absolute statements. He says things are bad. He says things are evil. We need to break free from those things so we can really achieve progress. The, Jeremiah says, okay, but you're going to regress. You're going to go the wrong way. You're going to go backwards. You see... So many people choose the broad and the wide path because it's easy. It's easy. It's much easier. There aren't any rules or regulations you have to follow. There are no submitting to the authority of God. I I was watching a a little debate the other day between a, a, a creationist in an evolutionist, and the, the evolutionist who did not, he was an atheist, didn't believe in God at all, he said, I don't believe in that book that you have there. It's so authoritarian, meaning it talks about there's an authority, there's a transcendent authority higher than man, greater than man, that does give us rules. And he said, I can't believe in something like that. And the, the creation guy stood up and said, That's exactly my point. That's the point. You won't submit to his authority. That's the whole point to this whole entire debate. It comes down to that. You won't acknowledge him because you don't want to submit to him. I thought that was pretty cool. I kind of am a nerdy type person. I watch stuff like that all the time. This is our whole nation. We choose the broad, wide path because it's easy. No rules, no regulations. There's no pesky commands of God you have to heed. There are no biblical scriptures you have to follow. There are no warnings or cautions. No way. Discard all that stuff. There's no pesky self-restraint that you have to adhere to. What's sobering and extremely sad about this statement that Christ makes when He says, Many there be which go in thereat. This wide, broad path. What what he's actually saying is there's a whole bunch of people going to hell. That's what he's saying. There's a whole bunch of them going to hell. He's actually stating this. Listen, have you ever thought about these couple of verses we're looking at this morning? Jesus is actually stating that many more people go to hell than to heaven. Many, 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 many more. The ratio is way off, way off of people going to hell than going to heaven. Philippians 3.18 says this, 
And listen to this. Listen to these words. It says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, Paul's saying, that, there are the, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He's saying this through tears, that they're the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Paul's saying, can you see these two paths? Paul's looking at the broad and the wide way and he sees all the people going as fast as they can that leads to hell. And Paul says, I'm telling you through my tears that they're making themselves the enemy. God is in heaven offering His his mercy. He extends His mercy. And the people traveling on the broad and wide path, they are saying, I don't want your mercy. I don't need you. I don't want to submit to you. They're the enemies of the cross, he says, through tears. He says their end is going to be destruction. They're going to be destroyed. They're on their way to perdition. Listen, brothers and sisters, do you know why the road to destruction is so broad and wide? It's because it has to be. It has to be to accommodate the people, all the people that are on it. The, the multitudes and multitudes of people that are walking on it and that are traveling on it. It has to be wide. It can't be narrow because a narrow path wouldn't accommodate all of them. It has to be wide because of all the people that are walking on it and traveling on it and saying, no, thank you, God. I don't need your mercy. I'm a good person without you, Lord. It has to be broad enough to allow the swarms of people traveling it. Do you understand this morning, brothers and sisters, that there are millions and millions and tens of millions of people on the broad path? There's millions and millions and millions of people traveling, and they are on their way to hell. That's why the path is so wide, because it has to be to accommodate the large numbers. I heard a quote recently I'd like to say to you right now. Now, it's from a pretty bad person. But there is some truth to it. Joseph Stalin said, The death of one person is a tragedy, but the deaths of millions is just a statistic. You know, if I say to you this morning that there are tens of millions, scores and multitudes of people traveling the broad path that leads to hell, if I say that to you this morning, it's just a statistic. It's just a statistic. But, but if we narrow it down to one person, and, and I say, this person that I love is traveling that path right now, they're on their way to hell, then we care about it. All those people, all the, the, the millions and millions and millions on that path right now, they are individual souls. They are people. Each one of them has a story. And millions of them, they're all on the wrong path. They're going the wrong way. Can you see them this morning? Can you see them in your little circle of life? Can you see some of them dancing and skipping their way? Can you see some of them walking in depression, in hatred? Can you see some of them consumed with anxiety and fear? Can you see some of them consumed with materialism? Can you see some of them not bothering with the things of God because they're chasing paper, they're chasing money? 
Can you see some of them in your little life that are so entranced in their careers and becoming a big shot or being the top of the world or the best singer or the best dancer or the fastest sprinter? Can you see them this morning? They're all on the wrong path. They're all on the wrong path. They're going the wrong direction. And on the other hand, there's the straight and narrow way. It's narrow because there's so few people that travel it that it, it doesn't need to be wide. There's no need for it to be wide. It, it, it's narrow enough that maybe you're lucky or fortunate if you can walk two people abreast on it. Maybe a husband and a wife maybe can kind of walk together on it. Maybe on a good day. There's no need for the straight and narrow path to, for 50 or 100 or 1,000 people to walk abreast and march on. There's no need for that on the straight and narrow way. No need because you don't find it. There's so few people. doesn't need to be wide. There are no huge swarms of people on the straight and narrow If you choose to walk on the straight and narrow, most likely you'll be walking all by yourself. Most likely. Now we have some brothers and sisters in Christ. I get that. And we do go through things together. But we're only together a couple of few hours the whole week. The whole rest of the week. You'll be by yourself on the straight and narrow. You'll be traveling by yourself. Maybe you'd be fortunate enough to have your spouse with you. Maybe. Maybe you have one solid friend that might walk with you. Maybe. And at times you may get ahead and they lag behind or they get ahead of you. Most of the time it's a solitary journey on the straight and narrow path. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 says this, which sometimes were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Only a few were saved. When, when, judge, when God judged the old world, only eight people made it. Only eight. You know, they, they call the the pre-flood population of people, the antediluvian population. There's the people that lived before the flood. And now we don't know how many people were alive at that point, but we can kind of make some guesstimates based on death rates and birth rates that we kind of know. We can make some guesstimations and I read some saying maybe 500 million people. Maybe, maybe. Now that could be off, granted. Just kind of an educated guess. But let's just say there was 500 million people. Eight people. Eight. Wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now it's a narrow path. Because the narrow path doesn't allow you to walk however you want. You can't skip and dance and twirl. You'll fall right off. It's too narrow for that. You ever seen those Olympi Olympic 
ladies that walk on the balance beam, that you can't do whatever in the world. You'll fling right off of that thing. And when you fling off of that thing, you'll land on the broad, wide path. It's narrow because it doesn't allow you to walk however you want. You can't skip. You can't dance. Each step on the straight and narrow must be sure-footed. Each step, very slow, very methodical. You must be very careful. You can't turn left whenever you want. You can't be on the straight and narrow and just say, Meh, I feel like a left today. You'll fall right off. You can't make a right whenever you feel like it. It's too narrow for that. Too narrow. When you walk the straight and narrow, you must walk in the fear of God. You must have wisdom. You must have discernment. All these things to walk the straight and narrow path. You must have the guidance of God. You must have the guidance of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Psalms 119, 105, this is a verse that I like. I, I quote it a lot. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You must have His word as, as your map. If you don't have this lamp, if you don't have this, this book to illuminate your path, you're going to fall off. You're going to trip and stumble and fling right off the path. You must have it. You must have its guidelines. You must have it or you'll miss the path. The Word of God illuminates the straight and narrow path, brothers and sisters. Now, maybe you're wondering this morning. Okay, I get it. I see what Christ is saying here. But why preach about the two different paths in church? Aren't most people traveling the straight and narrow in church? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. I would hope that we are traveling the straight and narrow as many as possible in here. I hope out of the two paths, I hope sincerely with everything in me that you're traveling the straight and narrow path. But I'll, I'll tell you why we talk about this this morning. It, it, it's, it's for this reason. Let's just assume, and I know this is a false assumption and I shouldn't even say it, but let's just say for the sake of argument that everyone in here is saved in traveling the straight and narrow path, okay? We'll, we'll forgo that argument. Don't come pick a fight with me afterwards and, and say something, okay? But here's why we want to preach about this this morning and talk about this and think about this. Even if all of us in here are saved in traveling the straight and narrow, we want to know this and preach about this and have this in our minds because there's an awful lot of people that each and every one of us knows that's traveling on the wrong path. That's why we want to remind ourselves of this scripture this morning, of what Christ is saying this morning. There are a lot of people that I know that are traveling on the wrong path. There are a lot of people that I love that are on the path right now Traveling towards the destination of hell. There are a lot of people that you know that are going the wrong way. That's why we have to remind ourselves of this this morning. There are sons traveling the wrong way. There are daughters traveling the wrong way. There are aunts and uncles traveling the wrong way. There are grandmas and grandpas 
traveling the wrong way. They're going the wrong direction. It leads to destruction. That's why we have to preach this in church. Because even if we are saved in here, there's a whole lot of people that aren't. There are neighbors and co-workers and friends on the path that leads to certain destruction. There are people that I care about. People that you care about. They're going the wrong way. They are, listen to me, they are currently on that path right now. How scary is that to think of, brothers and sisters? It's almost like I want to put that thought from my mind. Because it's hard to live with the fact that they're on the wrong path. If I could ask the band to make their way back. As they do, I want you to remember that this morning. That as we speak, even now, maybe hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that you know are on the wrong path. They're traveling towards hell. They're rushing towards perdition. They need to be rescued. They need to be rescued. Now, obviously, it's Christ that saves. It's no person. It's not us that saves. But we can be God's hands and His feet. We can stick our arm out to someone and try and say, Brother, you're on the wrong path. Sister, you're on the wrong path. We, we can take them and shine the light to them. Christ is the light of life. We can say, here, here, this is it. This is how you travel a straight and narrow path. Now, they may reject it. Many will reject it. But it's our job to show them that light, to share it. They need rescued. I don't know how you feel, but I, I just I feel like a sense of urgency. Time's running out. Things are going bonkers in this world. Amen? They're going bonkers. James chapter 5, verse 19 says this, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth in one, convert him. Let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. When you, when you try to speak the words of life to someone else, to someone who's on the broad path that leads to destruction, and they end up becoming converted, the Bible says you have just been instrumental in saving a soul from destruction. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you this morning to be instrumental in saving souls in your little circle of influence. Be instrumental. Save souls this morning. Brothers and sisters, reach out to someone that's going the wrong way. Let's stand this morning. All those people that are traveling the wrong way, even, even if they're consciously saying, God, get out of my face. Even if they're consciously saying, God, I don't even believe you exist. You're not even there. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All those people on the broad and the wide path, we might think in our fleshly minds, well, they deserve whatever they're going to get. They're consciously rejecting God. But the Bible says, hey, don't say that. All those people, yes, they're rejecting me, but I still died for them. They still need me. Even in the state that they're in, I died for them. I'm willing that they be saved. I'm willing to take them up to heaven with me. I'm willing. 
But God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If there's anyone in here, just before we conclude and we worship one last time, and just before we open these altars, if there be anyone in here, anyone listening via live stream, you know that we always go over the ABCs of Christianity here at New Hope. I hope you don't get tired of them. But the ABCs is you admit your sinful ways. You admit that you're poor in spirit. I mentioned the Beatitudes. And I've been trying to slowly go through the Sermon on the Mount. And I could barely make it any further than the very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means blessed are those that need, they need something for their spirit. They, they, they are blessed because they're saying, I need saved. I'm missing something. I'm broken. Something is wrong with me. Jesus says, blessed are those people. Then that's the very first step is to be poor in spirit. To, to, to need a Savior. To realize that you need a Savior. Everyone listening on live stream, or maybe you even might listen in the future, whoever may listen in the future, admit that you are a sinner. You believe that God hath raised him from the dead, and then you confess on the life of Jesus Christ. You confess his lordship in your life. That is how you be saved. If there be anyone in here who needs saved, I pray you make your way down here. Come, these altars are open. I'll come find you. Pastor Joe will come find you. We have others that will come find you and pray with you. If there's anyone on the wrong path this morning, come to the Lord this morning and let Him move you off that path onto the straight and narrow path. Brothers and sisters, these altars are open. Let us worship.